Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why, 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 why are you feeding into it? I'm not feeding, I'm not feeding into it, but that. I, like, I'm, I, I can't listen to this anymore because it's, it's like so ridiculous and it's getting Blown way out of proportion. I need you to stop feeding. I'm not feeding into it, Warren. I'm trying to. I'm. Listen, brother. This is how you're feeding into it. You're getting emotional for what? Are you getting emotional? It's not their life. It's our life. I'm not gonna let you keep allowing these women get you super emotional. I'm not emotional. I'm not even right now. Bobby, please. I'm, I, I can't listen to it because my skin is crawling right now. I, I, I got it. of everyone's business but mine with me, Kara Berry. It's the holiday season, you guys. Three cheers for that. So with that, I'm going to just be doing a quick loosey-goosey recap of This Week in Bravo minus The Real Housewives of Miami because I haven't had time to watch it. So I don't know what happened with those girls. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> it's It's been hectic. It's been a hectic week for us all. So let's get to it. Let's start with Potomac. We're going to get real quick with Potomac because... You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just growing weary of the dynamic. I think my issue, my biggest issue is um, that these women, I think the greatest asset to Potomac all these years leading up to this season was that they were willing to play the game. I've always given... Giselle and Karen their props even though I don't really care for Giselle for sticking around that they can get nasty they can get into it with each other but they're still willing to film and we do see the highs and lows of their friendship and they let us do that but now there's such a great divide amongst the cast and I think people who and I don't think that this is like a specific to Potomac I think this happens kind of quite frequently when we get into the seasons and these women are feeling very comfortable and established in their positions, Giselle and Robin, that they feel like, okay, well, if I don't want to do something, then I'm not going to do something. If I don't want to film with a particular person, I'm not going to film with a particular person. And that's that. And that is your right. But 
if you're not willing to participate, then I think maybe people shouldn't just be on, should just not be on the show. And I'm definitely one of those people who are like, y'all, we can't be playing production. We can't be talking about casting this, that, and the third. It's just kind of annoying. But I do think it's fair to say that if you're creating an environment in which people can't film with each other, then you're making the show worse actively. And I don't feel like there are great enough reasons to cause such a divide. So we'll get into the episode, right? It starts off, the girls are heading to Chicken Shit Bingo, Ash, one of Ashley's random Austin games. And Candace has been trying to explain to Robin, I don't want to talk about my legal situation with Michael Demon Darby because... It's a legal situation. I don't want to make it worse for me. I don't want to make the block hot. Just like you talked about Juan's situation. And that probably did not help him retain his employment. Okay. Robin says in the car, you know, Juan doesn't get involved in anybody's anything. But some of the other husbands talk shit. Cut to Chris talking on a podcast saying simply... That he just wondered if possibly Robin made a big deal out of Giselle making these claims of, you know, her trapping him in the, or him trapping her in a hotel room after the reunion to take the heat off of her to cover up for stuff. Now, apparently this is the most egregious thing that Robin, that a husband has ever said. <laughs> okay, okay. So like I said, Ashley's taking the ladies to chicken chick bingo, but at this point Robin's still crying it's just a hot mess. They, they're getting in there. Basically, Robin is just going to her homegirls, Mia and Giselle, to say that Candace implied that she was the reason why Juan got fired. And how, like, this is my, this is my life. This is my husband. He's hurting. You know, our family's hurting. And then Candace starts to cry. And everybody's really confused. Really confused. Basically, Mia's trying to be like, well, Candace is just making it about her because she's crying. Wendy takes up for Candace saying, don't put gas on the fire by saying that. Like, that wasn't even necessary. And Giselle's, like, running full court press against Robin, against Candace in the name of Robin, right? Candace, Robin, what Candace is doing to you right now is what an enemy does. Like, she's really over Candace. Candace says in a confessional that the reason why she's crying is that she can't handle watching Robin cry. We see it very little. That she's hurt, that Robin is hurting. She gets her triangle out and she says, you know, from the very beginning, all I wanted to do is just be there for Robin in this moment. So Robin goes outside. So she just needs a minute. Mia's walking after her. The way Mia walks, like, like a, like Lola Bunny, just like very sexy. <laughs> the way Mia navigates life is very fascinating to me on, on many levels, but she's trying to chase after Robin. And Robin's like, I just want time to myself. And I just want to be a part. So then Mia's standing like four feet away from her, just like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait here until maybe you feel like talking to me. And then we have to see Robin sitting on a curb, looking like an album cover. And, you know, it's, it's hard. Robin says that there's a part of Juan that's been taken from him. And so him having no plans hurts her heart. And now this is like a sensitive and emotional situation. So I here's my question, I guess, is that like, Robin has not had many storylines outside of Juan and her relationship issues with Juan, but she really seems to want it both ways in the sense of like, you don't want to talk about anything. But if anybody else brings it up, it's like everybody's trying to destroy your whole life and you're the bad guy, Chun-Li, and all of this stuff. And I don't know. It just seems whack. The whack is jumping out for me. Inside of Chicken Shit Bingo, there's a lady. <laughs> These employees down to the Chicken Shit Bingo were having a great time terrorizing Karen. Just with that chicken because, you know, she calls it a dirty bird. She claims to be allergic to it. It hasn't eaten it in years. She's acting like these chickens have knives in their beaks. Like, they're just about to slash her. Just get her right in the neck. <laughs> get these things away from me. Like, okay, you're allergic, but why are you afraid of them? <laughs> and I don't think she's allergic. <laughs> At one point, she did say that her areoles were itching. I don't know. <laughs> After that, Giselle and Mia 
Giselle rather joins me at a stand, you know, eight feet away from Robin on the curb to basically talk shit about what a bitch Candace is and how, you know, they basically feel like there should be no friendship between Robin and Candace. But Candace says, at this point, I don't think I'm interested in repairing a relationship with Robin. I'm not interested in repairing any relationship with somebody who considers Giselle a friend. Because the allegations that Giselle made about my husband had a great effect on our marriage and my mental health. And I'm starting to realize that it's probably not possible to have it both ways. To have a relationship with Robin who is having a relationship with Giselle. Wendy does, however, encourage her. I think you should give it a try with Robin. I really do. Like, And this is Wendy being a good friend, even though Robin and Wendy really don't fuck with each other. Like, Y'all had something special and I think that's worth continuing or at least trying. So after that, Candace breaks it down. I don't think it's smart of me to talk about my situation, especially when Ashley and Michael are still technically married to, or not even technically, they're full on married to each other. So Karen says in a confessional, Candace is basically just saying what everybody else was thinking about Juan. So, you know, it's probably hard to hear stuff like that because Robin doesn't want to hurt Juan, but she also doesn't want to be accused of causing him to lose his job, but we're really never going to know, which is, which is fair, right? Oh, Lord. So poor Karen's just trying to keep everybody together. And they honestly, Bravo needs to cut her an extra check. She's trying. She's really, really trying. Especially because this is her triple 20 birthday. And y'all already, you know, Mia went oops upside Wendy's head last year for her 5'9". And she's just like, I, I'm trying to have a good time here. It, like, this is wild. Robin decides to go back to the hotel. She's accusing Candace of extreme cyberbullying. What, girl? <laughs> I, I think that's a little bit much here. We get to day three of the trip. All the ladies are going to go kayaking for Karen's triple 20. Not Karen, because she doesn't know how to swim. So thank you. I'm just going to sit here in a, a Gucci short set and try to get not try to not get bit by a snake in the river. Thank you so much. This is fun for me. Giselle comes to Karen's room before they leave to be like, okay, I got you. Here's a gift for your tw first 20. Here's the second 20. And here's the third 20. Now, the first gift was a mini bottle of Prosecco. The second gift was a bag of peanut M&Ms. And the third one was a Snickers. And Karen goes, oh, this is so sweet. This all looks like hotel stuff to me, but okay. That's exactly what I thought. Ma'am, you got that out of the gift basket. You know, at some point, it's like, if I know where you got this thing from, just don't even bother. I don't need the gift knowing that you got this shit for free and you just don't want to eat it. So you're giving it to me. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. Unless that gift where I know what's coming from is like generational wealth. Uh, you could pass. I don't I don't need a peanut M&M good. I'm, I, I've had them before. Um, so, you know what? This actually brought up a sweet memory for me. Oh, <laughs> My grandpa, Daddy Earl, may he rest. I, like one of my biggest memories of him is that they would always keep um, uh, a, a jar of M&Ms like on their TV, on top of their TV. Because, you know, this was like back in the day when the TVs were like a piece of furniture, the wooden big ass TVs. Um, and he would always keep M&Ms for us. And that was really nice. They weren't particularly like uh, maternal or paternal because like really my fondest, not fondest, my biggest memory of my grandmother, Sadie, may she rest, is that um, she, my mom, I was like hanging out with them because my mom dropped me off and you know, I, listen, I had a particular palate. So I guess my grandma had bought me um, a Chef Boyardee and I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> I do not want to eat this. And she did not like that. But you know what? I had heard some um, stories about the meals that she used to make. I don't think that she counted herself as a chef. So all things considered, I probably should have uh, considered myself lucky and just sat there and ate the Chef Boyardee. But anyway, um, shout, out to, shout out to you two. Love you guys. Okay, so basically back to this. The real reason why Giselle goes over to Karen's um, room is to tell her that she needs her to shut up talking to her about trying to repair anything with Candace because according to Giselle, even though she understands that, you know, Karen wants the whole group to move forward, there is no moving forward because of the narrative that Giselle treats people differently based on the color of her skin, which to her is horrible and disgusting. But to me, that's not what, I don't recall Candace saying that, 
what she said was you use your looks, your light skin, your uh, physical attributes that are close to whiteness and have a, you have a proximity to whiteness due to your looks that you use to your advantage. And that's not really the same as like her treating people differently. Well, I mean, I guess maybe there were suggestions of that, but I think what Candace's major point was like, you use your privilege that you have through your genetics to get away with things that I can't. And you know that. And so basically she says, you know, it caused her to get hundreds of death threats and like, she needs her daughters to be safe. And, you know, Candace just crossed the line that they can't come back from. And to me, that just kind of furthers Candace's point in my eyes as a chocolate girl. Okay. Like, to you, for you to be like, well, I'm the victim to this, and therefore I she she crossed the line by calling out something that like we can all see, and you know I can't come back from that. It just feels like very white privileged behavior to say that. Sorry, Karen brings up the point, and also like let me go back to this: the death threats, horrible, stupid, violent. Don't do that, you guys. Like nothing on the housewives is ever going to be so deep that people need death threats. And if it does, I, they probably wouldn't air it, I would imagine. But clearly, like, we don't need to be sending death threats to any fucking body anywhere. Like, that's, that's, let's not do that, right? Completely unacceptable. Also not Candace's responsibility, nor is that her fault, in my opinion. I don't know, like, why she's got to catch a stray because of that. And I don't think, like, she's acting like Candace just sounded the alarm to have people, like, run up on her and her daughters. And I don't think that's the case. And honestly, if they could have a conversation where Candace would really be able to break it down, even though she said during that reunion, when they were having the conversation about colorism, I don't believe anybody on this cast to be a colorist. Somehow we forgot that, but I don't know. I just feel like, it's, it feels like a little bit of a cop-out on Giselle's part. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I, I find this a little bit annoying. Karen does say, hey, girl, like, we're kind of in the same boat. We're both light-skinned women. We both have brown-skinned baby girls. I got some pushback, too. But also, I didn't know that you had gotten death threats. Like, I'm sorry about that, and I'm just going to leave it alone. I respect your feelings. We're just going to move on. After that, Mia calls Gordon. He updates her about the lawsuit with his family, even though Mia is like, I just don't want him to do this. I wish we could leave the past behind. More on that later, right? So the girls all go kayaking. There's really not a whole bunch that happens. Um, she Candace has a conversation with Karen while they're sitting on the dock saying, I, I wasn't expecting to be that emotional at Chicken Shit Bingo, but thank you for helping me. Everybody gets back to the hotel. And this is like... It's like giving me a cluster headache just thinking about it. The Robin decides to tell Juan what happened between she and Candace. Big mistake. Huge. First off, she's calling him to talk about the insurance that, you know, because they had insurance through his job. She does say that he did have a 15-month contract left. So financially they're fine, but like they need to switch the insurance. It's like, first of all, Juan, you don't have a job. So why are you making Robin figure out insurance while she's filming and also on a cast trip? Why is she doing that? What are you doing? What are you so busy doing? Anyway, um, so after that, she says, oh, Juan, it's so crazy. You know, the ladies that I'm not close with, like Karen and Wendy and Candace, they have a lot to say about your whole situation. And Candace is trying to infer that I damaged the group because I didn't share this information about you and you know, while we were filming, but it's like the most ludicrous stuff I've ever heard. She pretty much replied that, you know, because I spoke about your lawsuit, it's one of the reasons why you got fired. And that really set me off. Juan's response is, Robin, why? Why, 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 why? Why would you feed into this? Why? I can't listen to this anymore because it's like, it's like so ridiculous. Like it just gets blown way out of proportion. I need you to stop feeding into this. Listen, Robin, this is why you're feeding into it. You're getting emotional. For what? For what? It's not their life. It's our life. I'm not going to allow you to let these women get you super emotional. You know what? I can't even listen because it's making my skin crawl right now. I got to go. And then he hangs up on her. That... <sighs> How 
she allow herself to get played by this man every time? It's like really ugh, yucky. It's really yucky to watch. The fact that he is so like, that you would sit there and tell your wife that the fact that she's upset about something that has to do with you and your behavior makes your skin crawl and that you don't even want to listen to her have an emotion about this. She's calling you clearly as her partner to have some sort of like, oh, I'm sorry. Or like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Like whatever, whatever, not my skin's crawling right now. I can't listen to you. Look at you getting emotional. Click. Ew. Is that not embarrassing for you, Robin? It's embarrassing to watch it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. It's a lot. It's a lot, babe. And I want more for Robin than this. Than a man who's like so violated, so disgusted by everything that's going on. Either you guys need to have a conversation about Robin not being on the show since you're so disgusted by everything that she does on the show except for the check that she brings in. Or you need to like actually learn to be a partner to her. And hear her out and realize that if you go through things in your life, that she's going to have to discuss them and that that is going to be a point of contention and that you're going to have to just listen to it and have the conversation. One or the other. But this one is not working. This is not working for me. Yakuan. Yuckington. I can't even believe that there was like years where I was attracted to this man. Oof. Let's move on. Let's move on to Beverly Hills. Calm down. I did not attack like that was a top. This girl, Dorit, lives in a bit of a bubble. Just triggers me. We live in a world now. We're aware. We're woke. Whatever you want to say. And I feel like she's not in that world. Just for the record, I didn't attack you. We were having a conversation. Okay. But it felt like you were. Um, suggesting that I was deliberately trying yes. to hurt her and I wasn't embarrass suggesting. Her. I actually said it. Exactly. Right, but that's not an attack. Well, it feels... There's a different thing than an attack. Garcelle, okay. No, I don't listen, mean attack. What, what's a good word? I don't know what's what a better word, word? Is, but I feel like for you and your privilege, I can't. Alright, let's talk about Beverly Hills. Starting off with flop anime. Is it Anna Marie? 
I don't care. Dorit and, and the other one go to Kyle's house and she is telling them about a one hour show that she's producing. And Dorit immediately feels some type of way about having no knowledge about Kyle working on a show, her new tattoos, the fact that she gave Morgan a tattoo with a K on it. She's feeling really left out. And Dorit says in a confessional that her husband, PK, has her name tattooed on his arm. She doesn't really know what's going on with Morgan and Kyle, but that's like a really, real close relationship, friendship situation. What's going on? Apparently, there's not been any improvements in this relationship between Kyle and Dorit in real time. And um, that's interesting. That's interesting. Sutton, Erica, and Garcelle go out for drinks. And this, my team... My dream team. The dream team that I've been waiting for. And let's loop Crystal in on this one too. I knew as soon as Garcelle got on this show that Erica really wanted to be friends with her. I knew that. I knew that. But I think the Fox Force 5 was just so clicky that that wasn't pop possible and things just like went from worse to worser. But now that um, Wig, Wig and Depends is gone, we have some time here to have a little kiki, a little cocktail, a little giggle. And let's bond and be friends. Thank God for that. So they're having drinks and having, you know, a good time with each other, those three. Garcelle does tell her about the fact that she met up with Denise the other day once Denise was a little, a little more um, with us uh, of this earth. And that, you know, they had the conversation about what it was that Denise was upset with. And so what she actually was upset with was the fact that when they were filming, when she was on the show, Erica had made mention of like, oh, you know, if kids don't know what a threesome is by now, they, they probably have had one or something like that, right? Her kids were like 14 at the time. So Denise felt like that was highly inappropriate. But Erica's like, she needs to let that go. You know, I've been through a lot of things in the last few years. I've learned to let things go. And I just want to move on from this and don't want to keep hammering in on this. At some point during this girl's night, Garcelle brings up the fact that Sutton once made out with her driver. More on that later. The big event for the episode is Crystal hosting Taco Tuesday at her house with all her friends. And Dorit's a little bit shady in a confessional talking about how, oh, you know, I never knew that Crystal had so many friends. You know, minus the 14, right? <laughs> we have to shout out to Nia. Shout out to you, girl. Friend of Crystal, wife of Bill Burr, iconic person who gave the middle finger to Trump at that wrestling match a couple months ago. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> shout out to you, girl. She's the one who brings up the fact that Sutton walked out of Magic Mike. But the reason why she brought that up is because before Sutton got there, Dorit and Kyle were gossiping to Nia and giving her all the tea. And saying like, oh, you should ask Sutton about that later. So she does. Thank God for that. <laughs> Dorit actually took a lot of licks this episode. Not that I feel an ounce of empathy for her. But I do feel like it started with the fact that she had to wear what appeared to be an outfit. Like a two-piece set from Forever 21. I think it did start there. Um, so Sutton gets upset that at some point during Taco Tuesday, Dorit tells everybody at the dinner that she made out with her driver. Now, Garcelle does take up for uh, Sutton and was like, yo, that's really not fair to bring it up because you weren't there when we had that conversation. Like, it's a little bit different when Erica brings it up because we, like, had our little giggle about this. And so Erica bringing it up is not. But Sutton and Dorit were getting into a fight and then Erica, or Dorit rather, brings it up in the middle of this conversation, in the middle of this argument with Sutton. So then Dorit accuses Garcelle of attacking her for simply saying, hey, chill out because I didn't like the way you, you addressed my friend. And Garcelle tells her to calm down, okay? And then she says in a confessional, Dorit really lives in a bit of a bubble and we live in a world now where we're like woke or, you know, aware or whatever you want to call it. And I don't think that Dorit is in that world. So then Garcelle tells Dorit, just for the record, I didn't attack you. And Dorit was like, well, it felt like you were suggesting that I was doing something to her. And she says, no, I wasn't suggesting it. I said that to you directly, but that doesn't constitute an attack. And then Dorit says, well, what's a better word? Which is when I would have just gone left. Okay. I <laughs> Garcelle says, I can't really deal with your privilege right now. And I'm totally with you. So Dorit asks, well, what does that mean? 
And Erica says, it means you're white and the words that you use are different. And then Erica says in a confessional that the word attack has a different meaning when it comes from a white person to a black person. It just does. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Erica Jane. Erica Girardi. Thank you, girl. She's exactly right. I saw a lot of people in Dorit's um, Instagram post about this clearly were like, you know, I don't get it. People are too sensitive. You know, everything's racist these days. And now double fuck you, Dorit, because I saw her IG post before the, um, you know, typically they'll post on Instagram before the episode. And her caption was, um, happily in my bubble. You're, you're happy to be there? Okay. Garcelle tells her, Dorit, Dorit does apologize, but she's like, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you, Garcelle. And she's like, no, I'm good. I'm like really not trying to educate you right now. And Dorit's like, well, I think you have. <laughs> Poop. 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 So because of this caption of being like, you're so happily living in your bubble, I'm more confused as to why she said in a confessional that had Garcelle just told her that that word triggered her, she would have immediately never said it again. Because it's really not giving any sort of sensitivity towards that at all. Not, not at this point. Not this week. So then to take the heat off of herself, Dorit is like, oh, um, Denise and Erica, have you guys hashed out your issues? Have you guys had a conversation yet? You haven't? Okay, well, I'm going to go see PK. Okay, bye. So Erica doesn't want to do this, but she says, she starts off by saying, I really don't want to have this conversation, but like you came into Kyle's house calling me a bitch, telling me to apologize to you. And you called me, what was it? A dumb bot fuck? <laughs> this is kind of the most hilarious part of the episode. <laughs> is that like, there's more confusion. Cause like, what the fuck is a dumb bot fuck? <laughs> now Kyle says in a confessional that, what actually happened is that um, Denise called Erica a cunt, but for some reason that translated into bot for her. And she's like, I don't really know how I got that mixed up. Even though, like, cunt does make a lot more sense than what I told Erica. <laughs> so basically says that Denise says that the first issue was that Erica insinuated that her daughters had a threesome, which is beyond inappropriate. But Erica says it wasn't about that. It was about how kids these days have access to phones. So they probably know what a threesome is. And Denise says, not my kids, though. <laughs> to which, like, I love Denise Richards' sound, but baby. Baby. I, listen, we're all dealt with, we all have to deal with the hand that we're given. And she was given a tough one with her baby daddy. I, I will give you that. But to act like you don't think it's possible that you're two uh, Hollywood living children, teenagers, would have no idea what a threesome is. Denise, let's not do this. And Erica really took it to hell. So she says, well, your daughter is on OnlyFans. So do you really think that she doesn't know what a threesome is? Whew. So Denise says, that's a really fucking low blow. And Erica says, you couldn't string two words together at that party. You called me a bitch and you want me to sit here and not go as low as I can? Have you met me? So here we are. So Denise goes, you are a mean woman. And Erica goes, well, because you asked for it. So Denise tells her, you're really mean. And Erica goes, well, I think it's great. So who makes more money on OnlyFans, you or Sammy? And at that point, I had to just, like, get up and take a little lap because, damn. Damn. <laughs> I'm still, like, every now and then it hits me and I'm like, <laughs> Damn. That's, that's a question. That is a question. I'm still, I'm still a little bit, Wow. <laughs> Like, I don't even have a comment. I'm still, I'm going to need to work through that. I'm going to spend my holiday season working through Erica Jane asking Denise Richards if she or her daughter makes more money on OnlyFans. Whew. We got to move on. Let's talk this about This is Spotlight. my feelings, I'm Heather. Staying I'm, st I'm staying out of this. Heather, it's not fair that you sex shame Monica and exploit my 
conversation with you. You're drunk and you're crazy. Get away. I'm not drunk or crazy. You are both. No, you, you're guilty because you know you exploited. You exploited my vagina in your book. You exploited my vagina in your book. And you exploited something I did for my husband in your book. That's the goddamn truth, and that's why you're running away and can't stand in my face because you know I'm right. So stop lying and own your Stop talking, please. I'm still in Bermuda. And we're getting on a boat, a catamaran, a yacht, who's to say, doesn't matter. What the point is, is that we're gifted with yet another just cinematically incredible scene in which Meredith, who's just come off of being accused by everybody of sliding in or creating Instagram accounts and sending DMs to Monica in order to accuse Angie K of being in the Greek mafia. I just like... <laughs> Every once in a while, it hits me that this is my job and that these are the sentences that I get to say. I just, it's really blessed. <laughs> I'm really, really blessed to do this. But yeah, basically, she, Heather confronts her about this. And Heather says, I'm really confused by your reaction because you really kept it cool. And I just feel like in this situation, you wouldn't. Can, so can you like walk me through that? And Meredith tells her, well, I'm just still trying to process what was being told to me last night because the reason why I called Monica is because when we were hanging out that night, Monica brought up these details about the Greek mafia, the tax lien, the bankruptcy, and that same information came up in the DM. So, of course, in my mind, I'm like, Monica, did you get this message? Lisa is watching Heather and uh, Meredith have this conversation and she's just like, stop lying. Stop lying, Meredith, please. Just like admit that you fucked up so we could all move on. You're a liar. Everybody knows it. Just stop lying, please. We can't, I can't deal with this anymore. (laughs) It is so windy on that boat and Meredith is wearing all of this like flowy, drapey material. She's got on a shawl that's like, she's trying not to be choked by her, her, whatever fabric is around her body. She's like, she's trying not to show her ass cheeks. Like there's just a lot going on while she's screaming. And one thing about me is that I really love when Meredith Marks gets really fucking activated. And it's just so funny to me because she already speaks in italics. And now it's like italics and caps lock. Like I'm really fucking pissed off right now. And I just love it. I really, I really love it. It's very funny to me. Right after they get on the boat though, Lisa and Meredith are kind of like sitting next to each other on the bus or like whispering to each other, like kind of making up like they like Lisa wasn't just screaming her Diet Coke breath all over this ocean or wherever the hell they are. This leads Monica to get pissed off because really what Meredith was whispering about was the fact that, you know, Lisa Brooks just called me to say that he got signed to Ford Models and I told him that's a really big deal. So like they're having a little like you know, just like a, a friendship moment. And Monica's like, I don't get how we could go from here to here. I don't get how you could be screaming at her. And now we're on the bus from you screaming at her. And now you're acting like there's no problem. Interesting. Whitney's been reading Bad Mormon, Heather's book, on this vacation. And she has now found something to be pissed off about. Because Heather makes mention of when she used to do boudoir photography Whitney was one of her clients doing a photo shoot for Justin. Now, last episode, Heather didn't want to talk about sexuality. She didn't want to talk about her sex life. She didn't want to talk about her daughter's sex life. So Whitney now feels like this is like incredibly hypocritical that she can talk about her sex life in the book for sales, but not want to talk about it in her personal life. It's just like, she's trying to cash in on my sexuality. This is Whitney's stance on this. (laughs) Interesting. Now, when they go to the bar and Whitney confronts Heather about this, Heather says, we had four conversations about this boudoir photo shoot being in the book before it went to print. And you told me that the one thing that you wanted me to take out was that it was your choice to take your panties off. So this is where I have to like, we got to leave the Whitney station because babe, if you knew this was going to be in, what are you shocked about? Where is the surprise? 
you exploited my vagina. You exploited me. You put it in the book and you exploited something that I did for my husband. And that's why you're running away. Stop running away, Heather. Stop lying. Own your truth. <laughs> Heather's trying to get away from her. We have to set the scene. So Heather's standing like her back is to the bar. Whitney's got a chair that's blocking Heather. Like if she had to go to the bathroom or want to leave, she Whitney would have to get up off this chair, right? <laughs> so she keeps telling Whitney, get out of here so I can leave. I just want to leave right now. I don't know how Heather ends up basically getting pushed because it seemed like Whitney put maybe like a finger and a half on her shoulder, <laughs> but she ends up losing her balance. It, it's like a, a very weird fight that sort of barely got physical, but again, I don't know how Heather lost her balance. So now Heather's just trying to leave to the darkness of Bermuda. The productions are like, we can't leave you alone, Heather. Please stop walking. Whitney's yelling, you exploited my vagina. And that's why you're running. Own your truth, Heather. Own your truth. <laughs> Heather is like half a mile away at this point. <laughs> Heather's like, I just need to be alone. I just need to be alone and have a think, please. Like, just don't talk to me right now. Like, if you got to be here, fine. I just got to think. <laughs> it's like pure chaos. None of the other ladies know what the hell's going on. And I love this show. And not next week, but I guess in two weeks, we're finally going to get the finale in which... All the shit goes down with the reveal that it was Monica that sued or Heather sued her for non-payment. <laughs> Did you guys also know this? I don't really know where this originated from, but there is an account on both Instagram and Twitter called Reality Von Tees. They are a Salt Lake specific gossip page that it's being alleged that Monica is the one who's been behind this page. Now, I think it's been, I've seen this account over the years. I think it's been going on since Salt Lake started. So if this is another reveal that we're getting in the season. I am going to fucking scream. That is really going to be <laughs> the years she's been running this account, talking shit about the whole cast members. Y'all, y'all. And I, I've seen a lot of content creators ask, how, would this change anything for you in terms of your feelings about Monica? And my answer to that is, yeah, it makes her a fucking queen. That is hilarious. That is so funny and exactly what we need. That's the perfect kind of shenanigans that we need on Salt Lake City. And if that's true, I'm actually going to be disappointed if it's not true. And there we are. All right, let's end this with uh, Winter House. banger episode and good reunion of winter house i have to admit i know a lot of people were like why the hell are they gonna have a reunion and i thought it was very necessary it was embarrassing it was embarrassing but it was necessary i really feel that so let's start with the finale right so sam is talking to malia like we left off on a cliffhanger where they're going back and forth whether um sam went too far or whether Malia went too far with like flirting quote unquote with Corey and Malia's trying to explain to her girl, nobody really knew the status of your relationship. So we start off the episode with Sam basically lying to Malia saying she's not insecure about Corey. What she's insecure about is the fact that she doesn't know anything about what's going on, which is all roads lead back to that man. Okay. Despite the fact that last episode, Alex specifically friend-zoned Danielle, she still takes him aside to ask him if they can try to be more than that once again. And Alex has to tell her, I really can't take on any more right now. You deserve nothing but the best. And that's just not me. Baby, that's embarrassing. I've done a lot of embarrassing 
pick me adjacent shit in my life, but this is like a lot. This is too much to take. This is too much to take. Back to Sam, she starts crying about how she doesn't like being vulnerable and will never say I love you to Corey, even though she does. So she goes into the bathroom to have a little moment. Amanda follows after her. And she tells her that, like, they're basically in a situationship, but she would never do that. And Amanda tells her, listen, I would, I've been there before. I've been trying to be the cool girl who, like, didn't make a fuss. To try to get this relationship, I totally understand how you're feeling. Now Amanda's like, oh, he cares about you so much. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't really know that he does. I really don't. Casey comes in. They're trying to, like, comfort her. And finally, Corey comes in. So they have a one-on-one conversation. And he says, I never said we were in a situationship. I just said we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. But I did say that we were dating. So he says that his plan was to not hook up with anybody. And she says, well, do I need to ask you for my boyfriend? Y'all, his response is, technically, I guess we are, yeah. Imagine that being the beginning of your relationship. She's been crying for 45 minutes. Only now did you just come in knowing why she had that conversation with Malia. And when she's finally, like, so vulnerable with you, you're like, yeah, I guess. I guess we'll do this. And then in a confessional... He says, make no mistake, if it were any other guy, he would just let it ride. Don't let anybody fucking fool you. But you know what my mom said? You got to shit or get off the pot. So I guess we're shitting, baby. Ugh! We do have a winter house miracle. Casey and Brian do finally make out in the final 48 hours of them being in the house. Their first make out is basically on Alex's bed. Not even that. On Alex. Alex is laying in the bed. Ben is, Brian, <laughs> Brian is at the edge of the bed. Casey gets on top of him. And so now they're basically like, Brian's back is on Alex. And he's like, do I, should I leave? Should I move? <laughs> can I move? Can you guys move this so that I can move, please? <laughs> the next morning, diva down again. Danielle gets in bed with Alex. Can we cuddle? I was like, yeah. Alex, I just want to go back to the way things were. Babe, it is the last day. Stand up. Stand up. At breakfast, Sam announces, Corey's my boyfriend. That's my boyfriend. And after everybody claps, he says, yeah, I wanted to do it on my own cord, but like it happens. So like, fuck you guys. This is now the third time in the confessional. Yeah, I guess we'll, we could be together. Fuck you guys for making me, uh, you know, claim her. I, I really wanted to do this on my own, so, like, fuck, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> True romance. <sighs> Somehow Danielle does manage to hook up with Alex in the bathroom because he's like, well, it can't get any worse between us, so fuck it. I, I guess I'll just do it. <sighs> I just want more for Danielle. Like, is he even that good in bed, or you just like the attention? And you caught feelings on the way, because that's what I'm thinking is happening. Everybody decides to go to the bar and Alex and Jordan dare to have a side conversation where she tells Alex, listen, I'm grateful for you. You're probably the closest person that I've gotten to know in the house. And then basically kind of low key hints to him like, yo, maybe if you would not suck your dick in my friend, just trying to get a nut wherever you could in this house, we could have done something on the low. And now listen, I don't want to like totally be anti-Danielle because there's clearly flirting happening between Jordan and Alex. Flirting that I think Jordan enjoys maybe slightly more than she would like to admit. But what is fucking me up is that this has always been happening. So I'm not understanding Danielle's confusion every single time she sees them talking together. She's like, what's really going on here? What's going on is exactly what's going on in your face. I don't think Alex has ever been misleading about his feelings for Jordan, his feelings for Danielle. Every time he's trying to like be up in a corner talking to Jordan. So I'm not sure what she's like, oh, what's really going on here? I think that is an incorrect uh, description of the situation. This man wanted Jordan all the time. You keep asking him to fuck you and he's gonna do that because he's a dude. And you're cute. And you're asking him. 
And he's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to get it from the ones that I actually want to get it from. And this is all very crude, but like, these are how men works. He, he's an idiot. Of course he's going to still fuck you because you are letting him. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm sorry, babe. Like, like, I I don't really know what... Danielle's clearly, in my opinion, not being honest about her feelings with Alex. And I just feel like, yeah, her, her anger keeps getting misdirected towards Jordan. Even though I do say, like I said, I do think Jordan enjoys it to a certain extent. I don't think the fault lies in either Alex or Jordan I think the fault lies in Danielle not being honest about her feelings towards Alex and the fact that she's probably sensitive coming off of that relationship with Robert where she wasn't getting her needs met emotionally as well. So we get back to the bar. Everybody's partying in the kitchen as we've seen them do. And they're, you know, we don't hear the music, but Jordan goes over to Alex because he changed the song that she had chosen. So he hugs her and is like, oh, I'm sorry. Danielle makes a beeline for Jordan and goes, if you were a fucking cool girl, you wouldn't always be flirting with somebody who you know is fucking me. And so Jordan goes, whoa, why aren't you also blaming him for this? And Danielle says, well, you should have known that I was having sex with this man and you still continue to shake your ass in front of him. You're really fucking lucky. (laughs) Excuse me? So Jordan says something that I'm a little bit confused about. If you want to bark, chew. And Danielle says, oh, I will chew. I will eat you alive right now. Like really getting up on her. Like they had an island separating them, but had they not, this would have been messy. And speaking of messy, shout out to Brian for standing on top of that island and recording them on his phone. (laughs) Messy boots. Brian needs to be back next season. Thank you. Thank you very much. Obviously, Danielle wakes up regretting her behavior, so she asks Jordan for yet another one-on-one and tells her, I really hate what happened last night, but, like, the way you were looking in at Alex and dancing with him, why? Why were you doing it? So Jordan says, but I treat Alex like anybody else in this house, and Danielle, I wish that as a human, you could have maybe told me how you were feeling, but you treated me like I didn't deserve any kind of respect last night. So Danielle does say she's sorry, And she says, maybe I'm not really admitting my feelings, but I do care about you a lot and I'm sorry. So Jordan says in a confessional, I think she's sorry that she embarrassed herself because she did. She did. That was basically the end of the finale. So let's get into this uh, uh, reunion hosted by Andy at the Watch What Happens Live Clubhouse. Just quick thoughts on this. One, Brian does admit that he had a, quote, brief interaction with Monica of Salt Lake City at BravoCon. Um, so Andy says, Danielle, is it safe to say that you can't do casual relationships? And Danielle says that she can. And Alex is like, (laughs) but Danielle says she can in the right situations. So about the whole situation with Alex, she says it wasn't about having feelings for Alex. Yes, it was that it was more of a slap in the face to see the constant flirting. And she's like looking around at everybody else. Like, am I the only person who saw that? And they're like, I mean, kind of, yeah, a <laughs> little bit. Andy says, but if you came into this situation wanting just a casual thing, what's the issue? And Danielle's like, yeah, but like once the disrespect happens, it stops being a casual thing. But here's the thing. Disrespect is sort of relative to your expectations of that person in your relationship. No, like 
you know what I mean? Like that really has to do with what you think he should and should not be doing. But if you guys are in a casual two week, less than two week fuck situation that you want to leave the airport and never see each other again, even though you were asking him to come to Brooklyn to see you. Like, Danielle, do you see why this is confusing for people? You know? And, and like, yeah, I can rock with her. They had sex one time at the house where there was a party. And then right after that, still, you know, with his dick coming down, I'm sure, was flirting with chicks in the in the kitchen. Asking for their Instagram, etc. That, I'm thinking, okay, maybe we cannot do that. But, like, this man has been abundantly clear that he's attracted to Jordan. He was this whole time. He's going to continue that. You have been trying to play cool girl and be like, I'm chill I'm, until you're not. And then you want to be chill and like, oh, let's fuck again. Let's just be easy breezy. And then you're not. I just feel like even though you might not like Alex's behavior, and I don't think that I would if I were in Danielle's position, you either need to explain to him, this is really what I want out of the situation or like keep it to yourself <laughs> because you want to act like nothing's wrong in the morning and everything's wrong after 5 p.m. And that just doesn't really make sense. So Danielle says that Alex did not communicate that he was going to flirt with Jordan after they hook up. And Alex says, but I didn't really change at any point. To which Danielle says, well, the problem is that I think you should have. Right. That, but that's your problem. But he doesn't feel like that's a problem. So Jordan says... She does not think that she was being disrespectful to Danielle at any point, which Danielle claims that she's disappointed by. So then, because Tom and Alex were roommates, Andy asks Schwartz, what was Alex saying to you behind closed doors about this whole dynamic? And of course, like, he's not going to throw his friend under the bus. He's like, oh, you know, for a second there, Danielle and Alex were like friends with benefit goals. And like, I just wish that they had stayed there. Okay, great. So Danielle says that there was a consistent boundary that was crossed between them. But again, like, how do you even have too many boundaries in a 10-day fuck relationship? Like, <laughs> this is what I'm not getting. So Andy asks Amanda, what do you think? And she says, look, to be honest with you, I didn't see as much flirting between Alex and Jordan in the house as I saw on the show, watching it back. I do think maybe it was like a little bit shady of Alex, but... They also did talk about th keeping things light and fun. And that's why I don't do that. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're married, girl. And also, you did do that. with You just happened to be married. Like, let's not rewrite history, girl. You were, you were in Danielle's position at one point. You got a ring on your finger. It worked out for you. But let's not rewrite history here. But anyway. So, Danielle says that she was not worried about Jordan and Alex hooking up in the house. But if it was her, she would have told them, like, to not. So Andy asks Corey, we're now getting to Corey and Sam, what his intentions were coming into the house in terms of like hooking up with other people, etc. He says that going into it because he and Sam did not have any label. He was trying to push the boundaries as far as he could without overstepping them, flirting, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam has a very different side of the story saying that they had a conversation before he went into the house agreeing that they were not going to hook up with other people, especially in the winter house. So Andy asks Sam, were there anything that you found annoying watching the show back? And she says, yeah, I did. Um, the first thing is that Malia was acting like she wasn't flirting with Corey and that Corey was like a brother, but uh, you know, if spitting in Corey's mouth is platonic, then why aren't you doing it in Kyle's mouth? And I just, I want Sam to find better talking points. Like, she's not great at arguing. And if you're going to continue to be in this relationship, girl, you need to get in that ring and start uh, shadow boxing because it's going to be the fight of your life. <laughs> Put those gloves on, girl, <laughs> and do your stretches. Make sure to hydrate. Malia's there via satellite because she's, like, in wherever the fuck she is, on a boat. And she's like, this whole thing is laughable. And Corey dares to say, no, you definitely would have fucked me. Like, you definitely would have. Which is, like, the strongest stance that he has. Who cares? You would have entertained it. 
you had no problem letting her spit in your mouth multiple times as we find out that uh, she, Malia spit in Corey's mouth on another occasion. And re that was the occasion that Jordan was actually crying about on the show, not the one that we actually saw. So, mm, interesting. So then Sam tries to clap back at Malia and is like, you're just pissed off that a guy you called a three rejected you. And then Sam's next point was to Jordan and how nobody in the house told her that Jordan had knocked on Corey's door at two o'clock in the morning that one night. And it, she goes on to rant about how disrespectful it was to be flirtatious in the first 20 minutes of her being in the house. But why aren't you upset at Corey? Why are you so mad at Malia? It does not make sense. So finally, Andy asks the question, um, does Corey get any sort of flack for this? Yeah, he does every day. So Malia explains that when Sam came into the house, she was really insecure. And that rather than her talking to the women, she just came straight for Malia's throat. And Sam's response is, well, you disrespected me in front of my fucking face. To which Amanda says, no, Corey disrespected you to your face. Thank you. Thank you. This is part one of Sam getting upset and starting to cry about the, how this whole situation has put a real strain on her relationship with Corey. She walked into the house just wanting to have a good time with somebody that she cared about. But why is that everybody else's responsibility and not the one, the responsibility of the man that you care about, girl? Interesting. That's the question I would like the answer to. Corey only admits that he led the ladies in the house on to an extent because he says, you know, I was just trying to flirt and have fun, have a good experience. You know, I probably should have like, you know, stopped doing the spitting in the mouth thing with Malia. And Sam goes on and on about how spitting in the mouth is their thing. It's her thing with Corey, their special relationship thing. And, you know, just it just felt so personal to see that. It seems like she expects everybody to know that you letting this man spit in your mouth is like a, like a known a, a pillar in your relationship that everybody should be privy to. <laughs> it's just like, Sam, you really need to like, maybe, maybe talk to a couple people. Get away from Corey for like a weekend. Real, real Bravo girls trip. Let's get Sam there. I want Ariana. I want Lindsay Hubhouse Hubbard. I want Sam. I want everybody to talk about their experiences with their uh, exes and I want Sam to hear how that goes and maybe she can see a little bit of herself in them and then leave this man leave him leave him girl also he's transphobic like you're probably fighting in your life deleting comments about how like he looks like <laughs> never mind <laughs> but how he's transphobic I was gonna say like he looks like he has gotten punched in the face like four times something about his face Looks like it's still swollen from having gotten into a fight. You'll see it once you look at him. But anyway, um, yeah, he's just like so wag. And I just feel like, girl, just don't, don't do this. Don't let this man do that to you. So she cries again and says that they talk about this situation every day. And if her biggest crime is loving somebody who doesn't love her back, then fuck you guys for rubbing it in her face. Like, what does that even mean, Sam? What does that mean? Kyle tells Sam, my heart really went out to you in the last couple episodes, but I really feel like you maybe need to give the other girls the benefit of the doubt that they really didn't even know the half of what was going on with your relationship with Corey. And he's exactly right. Corey's only excuse is, well, you know, like I'm kind of a rebel that way. Like I just don't really like to do what I'm told. And, you know, like I just didn't want the house to like make me have to define the relationship. But like you did. So that's it. Not like I really care about this girl. Not like, you know, I was trying to be a little bit free and in a situation where I really cared about this girl, I probably should have like really considered her and her emotions. No. I'm just, I'm just really like a rebel, you know? Like I just don't really like to be told, do what I'm told, like, you know, have to commit to women who like are clearly in love with me and just like, I would really just like to not do that, so. But I, I did, so. That's, that's my girl now, I guess. I'm shitting. I'm shitting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sam says, but I'm more important than that, though. Like, I have a tolerance for being treated like an option. And honestly, 
my conversation with Malia did help me figure that out a little bit because she said she would not be in an eight month long situationship. So like, fuck the romance. At some point, I just need to be treated right. And then she starts to cry again about how she came into the house, like trying to protect the investment that she made in Corey. And that basically all this made her feel very disrespected. And to which Amanda had to be like, well, if we want to reference season one of Summer House, at least, uh, you know, he didn't do what Kyle did and make you watch him make out with other people. So, and then Sam says that their relationship really used to be happy and fun, but now it's like a choice every day to forgive him, which is like, get out then, girl. (laughs) Don't do this. You don't have to be stuck to this dude. Like, get out. Get out, girl. Ugh, God bless us. With that, you guys, have a great holiday weekend. I will be back on Monday. We're going to be having a year-end special with a lot of special guests. It'll be part one of two. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.